Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Sonali Tare, Senior Director of Content Experience at Cornet Global, interviews Don Watson, Vice President of Global Workplace and Enterprise Services at Merck. The two discuss how corporate real estate partners with internal service providers to improve employee experience. So we're here with Don Watson, who is the VP of Global Workplace and Enterprise Services with Merck. And we're going to be talking about work enablement and how CRE is collaborating with HR, IT, finance, and other internal service providers to give employees the best experience they can um, at the workplace. So, Don, before we start, uh, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Hello, everyone. So, um, I'm Don Watson. I lead Merck's Global um, Workplace and Enterprise Services organization. Um, we are definitely focused in on kind of how we're providing real estate and facility services uh, to our company here at Merck. Um, at Merck, we are committed to being a premier research-intensive biopharmaceutical company. Uh, my background uh, is chemical engineering, uh, but I have been working in the facilities organization and real estate organization in Merck here for the last 13 years. That's great. Thank you. All right. So, our first question here is, traditionally, CRE teams have been off in their own separate silo. Um, how is that changing within your organization? Can you briefly describe how your team is structured, how large it is, and what different functions and roles are included? Yes, be happy to do that. So we, we sit in the global services organization under Merck, and so that is led by uh, our chief financial officer, Rob Davis. Uh, and I work with, with our procurement organization um, and within the corporate real estate function, uh, we have 11 individuals. We have one lead. We have three regional transaction disposition leads. We have a workplace strategy lead, a master planning lead, and then each of them have uh, some other sub-functions that are working for them. Uh, we also closely partner with our integrated facility management real estate partners uh, for both tactical and strategic real estate support. Wow, that sounds like a pretty comprehensive list of colleagues you have. Yes, I mean, we are managing within the network a, a global portfolio. Uh, so it does involve mm -hmm. uh, stretching, you know, all the way from here in the Americas through Europe into to Asia. And we manage um, a portfolio of office locations uh, as well as uh, research facilities and uh, our larger mixed-use campuses here in the New Jersey PA region. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, in talking about how CRE is working across the organization, are you increasingly cross-collaborating or working with other functions or service providers? Uh, specifically speaking, what groups do you work with for example, HR, IT, uh, other groups or service providers? Yeah, so within our, within our corporate research group, the, the collaborations and working across the different functions is actually critical to what we're doing. 
So we partner with finance, we partner with IT, we partner with our human health organization, our research colleagues, our procurement colleagues, and our human resources uh, colleagues. And we do this all the way from uh, strategy development to just kind of trying to understand what trends are out there and how people are working and what they're doing, where talent is, uh, while also wanting to understand what the business strategies are looking like uh, and, you know, what are their locations that they're looking at, how are the locations doing in servicing their needs. So we find it very valuable to have that really mm -hmm. wide network of different colleagues that we can work with and partner with as we start to think about uh, managing the footprint, both from a cost perspective and a location perspective, but also on how it's impacting uh, employees' abilities to network, experiment, uh, empowering them uh, to to share information and learn uh, within within our footprint. Okay, um, and we have another question about uh, potential challenges a little bit later, but I did want to ask something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, you're, uh, you're a pharmaceutical company. So, are there any specific things that you have to keep in mind from that perspective as you work across all these different um, scenarios and collaborate with different departments? I, I think for for us, it becomes, you know, just making sure that we understand the patients and where our patients are and what type of needs they might have, because that can actually impact. Uh, some of the location decisions and things we're looking at. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier certainly some of the research facilities that we manage uh, being very close to where scientific knowledge is, universities, uh, and those things absolutely come into play. Um, you know, I think those are, at least from a real estate perspective, you know, some of the mm -hmm. things that we definitely think about. I'm not sure if that's quite honestly much different than some of my other colleagues who work in larger global organizations. Um, again, you're, you're trying to really plan your portfolio around where's your customer base, where is key talent uh, that you can go at, and then what are, those, what are those places that you can find and put people in where, where they can really thrive. Okay, okay. Um, thank you for answering that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sort of ad hoc question, but uh, moving on, how would you say this collaboration between CRE and the other function is, uh, is structured? Is it more formal? Is it more informal? Uh, do you meet periodically or is it more project-based? Yeah, so I, I think you're going to get a blend of all of those within our model. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a very, what I would consider formalized master planning process where we will get together with finance. Uh, and the business leaders, whether it's on our human health side or on our research side, to really mm -hmm. talk about kind of location, talk about what are the future plans, where do we potentially need to start thinking about renovations, uh, where do we have leases coming up, um, what type of strategy do we want to go forward with if we're going to go into a new market or if we know we have a lease is going up. I mean, one of the things that we've been discussing is, you know, how do we use co-working locations now in our real estate strategy? So we kind of lump that under the master planning side of things, and that does have a very formal structured meeting cadence with governance, with specific documents. Other things, uh, you know, some of the discussions we've had with HR, they've started out more informal and then started mm -hmm. to lead to more kind of joint presentations around talent, workspace, and location. 
um, you mm -hmm. know, our relationships with finance, um, you know, that's really kind of understanding the numbers and how we work together and do things. Um, and then you'll get, you know, potentially have different projects that just might come up um, that are ad hoc projects. Uh, we're currently looking at potential opportunities in London. Uh, and that's, you know, mm -hmm. a very, it's kind of a specific project that has different collaboration, both from a corporate level here in New Jersey to even how we're interacting with our colleagues in the UK uh, for site selection and strategy. Okay, that sounds interesting. I mean, sounds like that, you know, like you said, it's sort of a mix of all kinds of um, different kinds of collaboration in terms of how it's structured. Um, yeah. Could I ask, where does CRE report to in your organization? Yeah, so we report in through um, the larger global services organization, which includes uh, our finance organization. It includes some corporate strategy, um, our global supplier management group, our procurement, uh, as well as IT. And then we sit with the global supplier management group uh, in the reporting structure. And then okay. this all then reports up into the CFO of the company. Okay, all right. That makes it a little bit more clearer. You know, one of the things that we keep hearing about um, CRE is how CRE's role is merging a little bit more with some of the other roles within the company. Um, and it's not necessarily merging, but, you know, having to collaborate closer and closer. So. What value does CRE, as well as the broader company, get out of that collaboration or partnering? So I think the, the biggest value that I'm really seeing is it's our ability to get timely information on how the business and other units are thinking about their headcount. Um, it also allows mm -hmm. us to understand how the w different workspace designs and strategies that we're thinking about are actually working across the globe. Um, you know, I mm -hmm. think those are, to me, two huge things when I think about what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, headcount is always a big discussion point whenever you're trying to do a real estate strategy because that, that defines how much space you need and what you're going to fit out. So the more collaboration right. and partnering we get, the more accurate that information gets. But I also think as we think about workspace design, and experimenting mm -hmm. with different types of design that are kind of meant to improve collaboration or experimentation or get more networking going on, having that close relationship and partnership with the different business units allows you to get, mm -hmm. get ahead of these discussions and have these earlier discussions on, hey, here are some different workspace designs that we're working at. How do you guys, let us understand how you're working. How are you meeting with people? How are you meeting with patients? How are you working internally? Mm -hmm to ensure we don't build something that'll actually, mm -hmm. you know, destroy some of these things that we're trying to create in terms of right. empowering and learning and sharing and networking. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like part of it is also just listening to the, uh, to the business needs and aligning a little bit closer from that perspective. Yeah, I think li listening is, is a huge, is a, absolutely a huge piece of this. And I think understanding mm -hmm what the business priorities are so that you can create mm -hmm. a outcome-based solution that matches up with the business strategy. Because there's always going to be a healthy tension between right. the finance of what you need to do, the timing, and I think if you can kind of take all of those different tensions that can exist in these discussions but really make them get mm -hmm. them focused towards 
the business outcomes, that, that's how you get to the most productive uh, discussions and then final decisions. Okay. That's uh, sort of a nice segue into our next question, um, which is what potential challenges emerge in those collaborations? For example, does it be an issue with too many cooks in the kitchen or too many personalities? And I, then I think, who has the decision-making power? Yeah, so I think, I think, you know, some of the big things that just when you first start up these collaborations, everyone has preconceived ideas about what the other group does and what they don't do. And so I think you have to kind of go in there kind of with that ability to kind of check your baggage at the door uh, and mm -hmm. be open to listen to the concerns that the other groups have while also giving feedback on concerns you have. So you can start mm -hmm. to get to that point where you're aligning around priorities. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, to me, that's the, the biggest issue that you face in on day one is, you know, everyone comes in a little bit, you know, not trusting what the other group's going to say and how they're going to do it and how are we going to mm -hmm. align on priorities and, you know, you're going to get into these arguments around decision-making power and things like that. Um, and what, what yeah. I tend to find with the decision-making things, I mean, there in, in companies, there, there are GOAs for grant of authority approvals and ways you can work around that and work through that process. But mm -hmm. to me, if you really start to get into here's the business outcome that we're trying to achieve and here is the real estate strategy options that support that business outcome, you mm -hmm. don't end up in those types of personality power type of of issues. Not to say that they won't come up, obviously, okay. you know, that, that's unrealistic, but I think if you really can get yourselves where you're working around the alignment of priorities, you're thinking about the business strategy, how are you going to enable that, you're coming forward with mm -hmm. options on what that can mm -hmm. do, people will, will become very reasonable and you'll have a very good discussion when you start getting into the things like cost which can also, you know, sometimes get, you know, a little bit heated on you're trying to do things too cheaply or, hey, we need this because mm -hmm. of this talent strategy. But I think having that really open book discussion and getting to that point, that's the mm -hmm. thing that you got to get to or this, or this can quickly get derailed. Sounds like communication is key regardless of, you know, sort of, what you're trying to do or uh, what level you're trying yep. to work with. Absolutely. That, that ability to, to listen, to communicate, uh, to, you know, kind of, again, you know, not let your ego interfere with what's going on from a business and really get, and I, you know, I would say data and analytics are huge in this um, because one mm -hmm. of the best ways to kind of start taking emotion out of these discussions is to be able to present kind of, you know, here's the market data on talent or here's the market data mm -hmm. on different costs per square foot for different models that we can go from, whether mm -hmm. it's a leasing cost or whether it's how we're going to fit out the space. I think, you know, being able to, to communicate and then bring that data forward, that can help to mm -hmm. take a lot of the emotion out of what's going on. Okay. You know, one of the things that came to mind as you were, um, you were talking was that that the skills that CRE needs is, you know, are changing as well. It's not just about, you know, leases and portfolios anymore. It's you, you have to learn to communicate. You have to learn to listen. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, you brought up data and analytics. So that's really interesting as well that um, not only is the function changing, but in working with other functions within the organization, you might have to think about what 
other skill sets might be needed to, to work successfully collaboratively as well. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I, I, I do believe that business acumen is a huge, um, huge, huge thing for anyone who's working in corporate real estate today. You really have to have the ability to not only put together good business plans, but also understand how the business is thinking about, um, you know, the future and their strategy. Uh, and, you know, communication is a, is a huge part of that. Uh, I think having an, a good background in change management uh, is, other, mm -hmm. is also a real critical skill set. Uh, I would quite honestly argue that that's a critical, critical skill set for a lot of job functions uh, because the world continues to change, uh, geopolitical change. There's technology change that just seems to keep coming at us, uh, you know, faster than, you know, the speed of light. And I think, you know, your ability mm, to kind of internally take change and adapt yourself while also leading mm -hmm. others through change, I think is a huge, you know, a huge differentiator um, in terms of whether or not you'll be successful or unsuccessful in whatever you're doing. Yep, absolutely. So going back to our questions, do you have any specific examples of or anecdotes of a recent project that involved partnering and what the end result was? Yeah, so I'll talk about our recent project in South San Francisco. And I mean, the, we, mm -hmm. we, the end result was, you know, towards the end of 2009, successfully opening up our brand new research facility in South San Francisco. That project okay. probably started four years before we got there, and, you know, it first started with our research colleagues coming to us saying, hey, we need to have a, a we need a research facility in the South mm -hmm. San Francisco area. It's a hotbed of talent for biopharmaceutical, uh, you know, per people, and we're, we're missing out. And so we partnered very closely with them from a real estate perspective in terms of identifying okay. options and vetting those options and then working with them to get to the final solution. We then had to obviously negotiate the deals. While that's going on, we're sitting down with them and talking about the design of the facility, what's gonna be in it, how are we gonna, you know, we're talking about activity-based work. How do we create mm -hmm. a new modern lab type of structure in, in that facility and, and work through all of those things? Um, and then you get all of that agreed to, and then there's, you know, now you gotta talk about the capital management and how do you, getting capital approved and getting the various stakeholders from finance and global engineering aligned mm -hmm. uh, to approve the capital plan. And then from there, then now you're managing the, the fit out of the facility with global engineering uh, and MRL, our research colleagues, uh, to ensure that, what, and working with different providers and construction managers and things to successfully build a facility, both from a schedule standpoint and then also from a fit and finish standpoint and then also from a, a cost standpoint. You do all of those things, and now you have your facilities team coming in who's working with the construction team, who's working with the MRL research team to think about commissioning the facility and how you get it started up. Um, within our group, I mentioned we have a workplace strategy lead. Well, part of that role in workplace strategy is moving everybody into the facility. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is, you know, between 300 and 400 people in this facility that we then have to plan to move in and work with IT to make sure that the phones work, the internet connections are there, the video conferencing is, 
is there. So it's a lot of collaboration and communication and project planning uh, and multiple groups working, working together. Um, but at the end of the day, as I said, to, as I started off on this thing, we successfully opened up that campus, um, you know, towards mm -hmm. the end of last year. It was completed uh, on time and slightly under budget, which is always a good thing, but more importantly, it got our scientists into, into their research location so they could start thinking about those, the next leading innovations and solutions uh, from, a, from a pharmaceutical perspective for the future. Well, that's a great story. Um, can you share any lessons learned on what works well and what doesn't in partnering with internal service providers? I, yeah, yeah, I think one of the big things that I would highlight here, I would highlight leveraging tensions. I, you know, I think you need to have healthy debate um, in these discussions. Mm -hmm. um, and you need, to, you, you need to be able to do that well uh, and I think mm -hmm. that's a huge lesson that, you know, everyone needs to be comfortable that not everyone's going to agree and there may be some disagreements and some arguments and that's healthy. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, that's quite honestly probably a red flag in, in, these, in some larger projects. Um, and, you know, that ability to manage that and understand that and not to be afraid of it uh, is mm -hmm. absolutely, I think, a good lesson for anyone when you're taking on a large project uh, that has a lot of complexity in it. And if you do that mm -hmm. part of it well, I think you help set up the project for success. But if you mm -hmm. don't leverage tension well and have that honest debate, again, I think you create red flags and some blind spots in a project that, that could absolutely come back to hurt you. Uh, we talked earlier in this thing about change management. Uh, mm -hmm. That to me is also one of those things that if you need to invest in change management, if it's not something that you have as a skill set or the team has as a skill set, you are going to need it in, in, a, in a project and either having the ability to tap into change management when it's needed or bring it on, pro on the project up front. Mm -hmm. um, I just think sometimes that part of it is absolutely underestimated and people try to put in the change management too late in the project, and then now you're playing catch up there, or they have change management all the way through the project, and then just as about they're ready to get over the line, they start to relax and they say, oh, everyone will be good. The facility's built, the workspace is fit out, we just need to move everyone in and everything will be okay, and they stop the change right. management process. I think that's another one that if you really want to have a successful project, um, you got to make sure that you really thought through the change part of it. Okay, that's that's really interesting because you know it it talks about not just what the different departments need to do, but what the different personalities who are in the departments and who are actually working together need to be doing as well. So it's interesting that it's not just one level or another; it's really just a mesh of all of that. Yeah, and you know, I, I, we talk a lot about in our organization having a good service mindset and thinking about it from an enterprise perspective. At, at the end of the day, in a corporate real estate organization, we are absolutely enabling the business. Um, and in order for us to really enable the business, we, you do have to approach that kind of with that service mindset of being able to ask them questions, understand what they need, uh, understand mm -hmm. 
you know, how you would go about delivering potential options to them. And this is where I think the enterprise leadership comes into it because you also have to have the ability to say no and offer mm -hmm. alternatives or push back. And you do that if you really truly then understand, and it's easier to do that, I would say, if you truly understand how what's, what the enterprise is doing and what's the overarching business strategies and, mm -hmm. and then how can you bring different ideas to the table uh, so you're not just kind of taking orders from the business, but you're truly partnering with the business to deliver something that's going to meet the, the needs or the objectives or the strategy uh, of the overall business entity. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Um, but that essentially was our last question. Did you have any final thoughts before we end? Uh, I would just say before we end, I think, you know, I, I, I continue to be um, really kind of, I think if we think about corporate real estate, I think the engagement with HR um, mm -hmm. is, is, and we talked a little bit about this, is continuing to become more critical. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, having that relationship with the different HR business partners, I think, is a key relationship. Um, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that are starting to come out about talent, location, and workspace, and wellness um, that, you know, I know me and my team are really getting excited about because it is creating another level of our discussions uh, in terms mm -hmm. of how do we think about the future of workspace and design. Uh, so, you know, I think that's another area, quite honestly, that if you're not investing in those types of relationships, you absolutely want to start um, you know, kind of connecting to your HR colleagues. I do think we spend a lot of time mm -hmm. talking about how we work with the business, how do we work with finance, how do we work with mm -hmm. IT, but I think HR is the other one that, that's becoming as critical as any of those others that I've met just because of the, the tremendous amount uh, of effort that's put into, you know, recruiting and retaining top talent in organizations. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. absolutely corporate real estate has a role to play in doing that. No, I, I mean, I hear you because we keep, talk, we keep talking about well-being and wellness uh, at an increasing rate here in uh, corporate real estate. And for corporate real estate to be successful in delivering that at their, or, at their organization, um, I would think that HR would be a huge part of that, even from just that perspective. And, you know, of course, you talked about talent and all of those things. So when you add all those together, um, you're right. It, it you know, it, it makes sense to be talking to HR if you're not already. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Don. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to record this podcast with us. Uh, this is Sonali Tari, Senior Director of Content Experience with Cornet Global, and um, we just finished talking to Don Watson of Merck. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and hopefully you'll listen in uh, for another one. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.